interested in Notre Dame. Got tickets for the game out here this fall? Huh? Good evening. Welcome to the Petaluma City Council meeting. As the council prepares to go to closed session, this is a meeting of Monday night, October 7th, 6 p.m. session. If the clerk would please call roll. Harris? Here. Kearney? Here. Barrett? Here. Glass? Here. Albertson? Healy? Here. Miller? Here. And if the attorney would please provide legal notice for closed session. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I'd be happy to. The council will confer with legal counsel in closed session under government code section 54956.9, subdivisions A and C, regarding uh, Friends of Lafferty Park versus Pikachu 2 LLC at all. Um, that's, that's Superior Court case, uh, Sonoma County Superior Court case, number SCV 253148. That's, that's with respect to uh, possible initiation um, slash existing litigation. Council will also confer with legal counsel regarding existing litigation uh, under Government Code Section 54956.9, Subdivision A, regarding the Moynihan versus City of Petaluma case, case number SCV 259059. As well, the council will confer with legal counsel regarding initiation of litigation under Government Code Section 54956.9. C, regarding one potential case, and regarding significant exposure to litigation under Government Code Section 54956.9, Subdivision B, also one potential case. Thank you. I can see the council chamber is somewhat crowded, which is not the norm for closed session. Uh, I'm not going to presume why you're here to speak, but I'm going to ask kindly if I could have those that wish to speak stand so I could count the number of speakers so I can figure out how to proportion out the time because we have a regular session that's going to start at 7 o'clock. So those that wish to address the council, could you please just do us a favor for expedience of conducting the meeting and stand at this time? So I'm under the assumption that there's going to be two speakers here. With that, uh, each speaker will be allocated three minutes. And if we could proceed, Mr. King, you filled out a card. If you would please proceed. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, Thank you, Council Persons. I'm here today um, on behalf of the members of the public of Petaluma who would like the city to join the fight against Indian casinos being built in our area. I don't have to tell the council members all the problems that Indian casinos can cause in terms of traffic, what it would do to our economy, to competing restaurants and entertainment venues, the cost of police and fire, etc. And I believe, and I think many people here today believe, that the best way to stop a possible dry creek casino south of Petaluma is to stop the Grayton Casino in Roner Park from opening. The reason this is so is because the United States government has about a 100% approval rate for taking land into trust for non-gaming purposes and then turning around and when there's an application to change the purpose to gaming to do so. They've done that before. But it's not too late to stop the Grayton Casino. The casino is illegal because the state of California never ceded its sovereignty and jurisdiction over the site where the casino is being built. State officials like to assert that IGRA made me do it. But that is false. IGRA does not apply where the state has not ceded its sovereignty over the property. There is an oppressive list 
of illegal Indian casinos that have been shut down by court order under these circumstances even after they have opened. In 2002, a casino in Texas. In 2010, the May Mills Casino in Michigan, where I'm originally from. In 2012, the court shut down a casino in Oklahoma on these grounds. And in 2013, in August of this year, the courts closed down a casino in Oklahoma after it had been operating for over 30 years. The great in casino alone will increase highway on uh, increase traffic on highway 101 by 10 percent at minimum, eight miles away. If the Dry Creek Band also opens a casino, Penaluma will become a quote casino sandwich, and 101 traffic will become even worse. For the good of our fair city, it's imperative that the city of Petaluma join the fight against the great in casino. Residents of Petaluma overwhelmingly oppose all of these casinos. Over 500 postcards have been signed by Petaluma residents and have been turned in asking you to join the fight. A number of people here today wearing the stickers are here to support you in the decision to fight the casinos. And at this time I will close by asking all those who support the request for the city to join the fight of the casinos to stand up rather than individually speak to show their support. Thank you for your time. And we have more postcards. Thank you. And Michael, uh, forgive me, Michael, I can't figure out your last name. Krause? Last name is Kraus. Thank you. Mr. Kraus. Um, I, I can be very brief. Uh, I support what the other speaker says. Um, Casinos are not what I want for growth in Sonoma County. I believe they will increase uh, crime, uh, increase traffic, and decrease an already limited water supply. Uh, since the state did not cede sovereignty over the Grayton Casino site, the land is still state land, and casino-style gambling is illegal on state land. I'm asking the city to support asking the courts to enforce the law. Um, if this casino is allowed on this basis to follow, to not follow the law, it will set the case for more of them, more of these casinos. It will encourage a leapfrogging of them southward, um, and I, I fear the next uh, casino will be just south of uh, Petaluma. Thank you for your attention. Thank you. And seeing no indication that others wish to address the council, uh, with that. We will be adjourning to closed session. The attorney has already provided uh, notice. Mr. Attorney, if we, we have a jam-packed closed session. In the event we do not finish, is there something that needs to be set up front to allow us to go back into closed session at the conclusion of city business tonight? Um, uh, Mr. Mayor, I would suggest that if, if, we th if the council concludes there need, there's a need for further closed session discussion, after um, the closed session and before the public meeting, we can indicate that at that time Thank and, you so and what items may, may be continued. Okay. And, and with that, we're adjourned to closed session. Good evening. Welcome to the Petaluma City Council meeting for Monday night, October 7th. We're returning out of closed session, and I'm going to ask the attorney, Mr. Danley, to give us a report out of closed session. Mr. Danley. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, the council will be reconvening after the public meeting tonight.
to consider um, the closed session items um, the under um, the one regarding the Friends of Lafferty Park matter under Government Code sections 54956.9 A and C. The matter um, regarding uh, Moynihan versus the city um, under subdivision A of 54956.9. Um, the council has already considered the third item concerning possible initiation of litigation under government code section 54956.9C. There's no reportable action with respect to that matter and the council will not be reconvening on that tonight. However, the council will reconvene under the next item um, under section 54956.9 regarding anticipated litigation. And I, I apologize and neglected to note before going into close, going into close session from the um, amended agenda, um, and the council will also be returning and has not considered this item um, yet, but will be later tonight under government code section 54956.9, and that's uh, existing litigation under subdivision A. The case is um, the city of Petaluma versus Ana Meta Santos, um, Sonoma, Sacramento, I'm sorry, Sacramento County Superior Court case 34-2013-801459. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. And with that, if the clerk would please call roll. Harris. Here. Kearney. Here. Barrett. Here. Glass. Here. Albertson. Healy. Here. Miller. Here. And if Tim May would please lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And with that, if we could have a moment of silence, please. Thank you. Under agenda changes and deletions to tonight's agenda, we'll be moving item 5A to immediately follow the consent calendar. That is uh, the weed abatement item. We will uh, be adjusting the order of proclamations tonight. We have with us uh, a presentation from Sonoma County Library. This is a draft amended joint power authority agreement. They have another meeting to attend tonight. We're going to hear that presentation first. So if they would get ready to come up and make their presentation, that would be wonderful. And the presentation with the permission of the council will be followed by our proclamations tonight. And um, following our proclamations and after all of the presentations and before general public comment, we're going to take a brief recess because the council is coming right out of uh, closed session. So that will give us a chance. We, we need to take a uh, restroom break here. So with that, we'll go on to the presentation of the Sonoma County Library Draft Amended Joint Power Authority. Is that presentation ready to go? Mr. Mayor, I, yes. I don't see Don Schwartz from the county. Uh, so with that, we're going to move on to our business then, and when Mr. Schwartz comes in, if he should, or if Tim May uh, wants to wing the presentation, he can feel free to do so. But uh, with that, we will move on, and we won't change order of uh, uh, business. We'll go right down through our proclamations. Okay. 
We have a proclamation concerning domestic violence awareness month. Accepting this proclamation in the council chambers is Terry Porter presenting the following proclamation is council member Mike Harris. The city of Petaluma proclaims domestic violence awareness month for October of 2013. Whereas the city of Petaluma recognizes that the crime of domestic violence violates an individual's privacy, dignity, and security due to the systematic use of emotional, physical, sexual, psychological, and economic control of abuse, and whereas the YWCA of Sonoma County is a women's membership organization affiliated with the 155-year-old YWCA of the USA, and whereas the YWCA of Sonoma County was founded in 1975 with a mission to empower, educate, and support domestic violence survivors and their children who are unsafe in their own homes, and whereas domestic violence is a serious crime that affects people of all races, sexes, ages, sexual orientations, and income levels. And whereas stopping the cycle of vicious criminal assault in the home requires a coordinated effort between the criminal justice system, the agencies that provide services to victims, as well as the resolve and courage of survivors. And whereas only a collaborative community effort will put a stop to this heinous crime, and whereas all members of our community would benefit from participating in the YWCA's scheduled events and programs to eliminate the use of personal and institutional violence. Now therefore, be it resolved that I, David Glass, Mayor of Petaluma, along with each and every member of the Petaluma City Council, hereby designates the month of October 2013 as Domestic Violence Awareness Month here in the City of Petaluma. And if, Miss um, Porter, you'd like to address the Council in the City, that would be wonderful. Thank you. Um, good evening, honorable mayor and esteemed city council members. My name is Terry Porter, and as a um, resident of Petaluma, I'm honored to be here on behalf of the board of directors, staff, volunteers, and clients of the YWCA Sonoma County. Thank you for honoring Domestic Violence Awareness Month with this proclamation. By doing so, you inspire others to take notice of the fact that one in four families in our community are affected by domestic violence, but more importantly, you validate the opportunity for much-needed healing to begin. As you mentioned, established in 1975, YWCA has distinguished itself as the leading provider of domestic violence services by operating the county's only confidential safe house shelter and the county's only 24-hour crisis hotline. In addition, YWCA's a special place is the county's only therapeutic preschool. I myself am the director of the YWCA's Therapeutic Preschool, and we work exclusively with Elise Hempel and Petaluma People Services and Kids Matter at serving at-risk children in the community. Um, our community advocacy program and court accompaniment services form the hallmarks of our work in this community. 
We provided each of you with our domestic violence awareness calendar, as well as our purple ribbons signifying this month. We wish to invite you to attend our Very Moving Writers series hosted every Thursday in October beginning at 6.30 p.m., as well as our benefit tomorrow night at Lagunitas. We are pleased to present October Eve, Ending Violence for Everyone, being held at Lagunitas Brewery in Petaluma featuring Sonoma County's favorite dance band, Wonder Bread 5. Tickets are still available and it's happening right here in Petaluma, so we invite you to come and you can purchase tickets at the door as well. Concluding the week without violence this month, you are invited to wear purple in honor of Violence Free Friday. October 18th, we invite you to demonstrate your support by clicking through from our website and the Allstate Insurance Purple Purse campaign and ask you to help us achieve a thousand clicks so YWCA Sonoma County may earn a $10,000 grant to end domestic violence in Sonoma County. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's come to my attention that Don Schwartz is here uh, for the presentation. For Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Um, I was requesting to do a photograph. Is that possible? Uh, sure. Okay. Uh, you you want to come on up? Uh, you want all the council? Is that what you're looking for? And Mr. Schwartz could get his presentation ready for what's going to follow. We'll come on down.
Good evening and thank you for the opportunity to come before you today. My name is Don Schwartz. I'm the analyst with the County Administrator's Office and I'm pleased to be here um, as a staff to the Sonoma County Library Joint Powers Agreement Review Advisory Committee. And uh, good to see Councilwoman Barrett, a member of the committee or appointee. Uh, Supervisor Rabbit asked me to pass his regards to you and say hello. He will be here um, not this evening, but he says in the near future to provide a comprehensive update on county issues for you. And so he asked me to pass that along. So this evening, um, I'm here to talk about the proposed amendments to the library's uh, JPA. Um, we're taking this, what we're calling the roadshow, to all the city councils as well as the Board of Supervisors. This is the third uh, presentation we've been to the board and the Santa Rosa City Council and the rest will follow after this evening. Um, also into the Library Commission after this uh, tonight. Um, we're requesting a review and comments uh, by no later than November 1st. Um, we welcome them tonight. Um, and then we're going to ask uh, that you plan on ratifying and appointing, ratifying an amended JPA and appointing new commissioners, if you so desire, a new commissioner in December or January, um, uh, late this year, early next. The background is that the current JPA was established back in 1975. It's been 38 years and it hasn't been uh, reviewed since then, at least not the way we've uh, been doing it lately. Much has changed in the county. We have a new city, our new town in Windsor, the demographics, the technology, and of course the finances are uh, as stretched as ever in local government. Uh, about a year ago, the Board of Supervisors approached the mayors and council members uh, asking for the establishment of a committee and the uh, mayors and council members agreed. So we began uh, 12 months ago in October, uh, had presentations by library and county staff and extensive discussions on many issues, uh, sometimes the same issues numerous times. Uh, and the committee has included representatives from all the cities, the county, and the current library commission. Um, extensive public input. We've reached out to the lo local library advisory boards with a survey attending their annual conclave, uh, as well as inviting them to present to the uh, advisory committee. Uh, library advocates have had some time on our agenda and we've received lots of uh, communication, uh, as well as library uh, managers and staff. And today, of course, and all the meetings are an opportunity for further public input. Uh, the key features of the current JPA, what we're proposing to keep, is most importantly one countywide system. Um, focused on library operations uh, with a dedicated funding stream as the library has today from a portion of property taxes and a commitment philosophically to collaboration that's reflected in the current JPA and that kind of spirit and language continues in the new one, the proposed amendments. Um, we're also proposing to continue the local library advisory boards to provide a voice of, for the local branches and communities and a commitment to equitable services which in the current JPA is defined as essentially all residents get access to all of the branches um, materials are shared amongst all of the branches. Professional staff are spread through all the branches, so all um, community members have access to professional help. And services, adults programs, children's programs, and the like are also widely available. What we're proposing to change, this is the most significant one I think right up front, is that all jurisdictions would be represented and be decision makers. The current JPA has four cities of which you are one, along with Santa Rosa, Healdsburg, uh, and Sonoma and the county are the five uh, members of the current Joint Powers uh, Authority. We're proposing that uh, open this up to all of the members after uh, the original five agreed to amendments and the committee recommended one vote per member and I'd like at the end to come back and talk about some feedback we've had from the Santa Rosa City Council as well as the Board of Supervisors on some of these points. We're suggesting that initial appointments be split um, two to four years so simply so terms are staggered so there's not a tremendous amount of turnover all at once. Um, 
there is a proposal for no alternates um, from the councils or the appointees. Uh, the commissioners would serve according to the norms of the appointing authorities. So however you do it is how your appointee would work. Um, and then there's no restrictions on appointees other than they be county residents. Um, they, we've had numerous discussions about elected officials good, elected officials bad, staff, et cetera, et cetera. I've just decided to recommend leaving things as it is in the current uh, agreement, which is silent on the issue. Uh, another change would be to move full budget and employment authority uh, to the JPA. Right now, the Board of Supervisors has a budget approval authority, and we're suggesting that a JPA ought to be able to uh, manage itself fully, and that includes responsibility for its budget. Um, includes the power to levy taxes with a two-thirds vote of the commission, and then that would move forward uh, subject to whatever other legal restrictions there are uh, for imposing taxes. Um, an eminent domain, we're also... Um, David, can I interrupt yeah. that point? Yeah, sir. So when you talk about two-thirds vote, would, would that mean it would have to go to the voters for approval? First, the commission would have to approve it by two-thirds, and then whatever legal requirements are at the time that it went forward, so to the voters or whatever the So that's not really an answer. Um, well, you're saying maybe it would go to the voters, but maybe it would just be imposed by the commission? No, the commission depends on what the legal requirements are at the time to get approval of a tax measure. The commission would have to approve two-thirds, and then whatever the hurdles there are, if, it had, if a ballot uh, voter approval was required. So right now, is there any ability for this proposed commission to impose a tax with a two-thirds vote without voter approval? Not according to my understanding. Okay, thank you. Um, eminent domain is also a part of uh, um, JPAs by, essentially by osmosis from the sponsoring agencies. Um, we're suggesting that the library would not ever exercise that and would require the library not to exercise eminent domain without the approval of the city uh, in which the eminent domain would be exercised or the county if it was an unincorporated area. This kind of speaks to that collaborative spirit I mentioned before. The library would not go off and do this on its own. Wouldn't be allowed to. Um, other changes uh, built in an appeals process would have to be created by the new commission for directors' decisions on policies, materials, and facilities. There's one for materials uh, today, but not on the other points. Um, we're suggesting that there be a requirement for an equal number of what we're calling core hours, um, while local communities could fund additional services, and particularly hours. And so I want to speak to this one for a moment because this is probably the most contentious issue. What we mean by an equal number of core hours is that each branch would have a set number and it would be the same from one branch to another. It might be 40 or 50 hours a week and that would be the base level of service for all. We're not suggesting that they be the same hours. So if one community wanted to be open or the commission wanted, say, one to be open, branch to be open on Mondays and another one had to be closed on Tuesdays, there'd be some flexibility there. So we're not dictating that they be the same, we're just saying that they be the same number each week. And we're also not specifying what that number would be because we think that's going to fluctuate uh, over time depending on uh, the budget in particular. So, but we are requiring that, that core baseline. The allowing local communities to fund additional services uh, the intention there is really to allow uh, communities to fund additional hours. And in today's environment, it's really around the Monday closures is where the conversation has mostly occurred. Um, we've included language in the proposed amendments that allows that to happen with some strict requirements, the most important of which is that adding hours from one community cannot harm the system as a whole. Um, a community would have to pay the full freight of those additional hours, say it's, I'm going to use a ballpark number and please just take this as a ballpark of 150000 a year plus its share of the overhead costs associated with those additional hours. Uh, there's a requirement for a strategic plan at least every 10 years. 
and the JPA review uh, every 10 years with a report to jurisdictions on uh, how we're doing. Um, somewhat increased role for the labs through direct, direct liaisons to the commission as well as an annual report from each lab. And then for the facilities, most of which are owned by the cities, uh, the leases would be required. We have them in most cases, but not all. And again, there's language about collaboration. There's been a lot of controversy sometimes with temporary facilities as the branch is getting renovated. And there's language that essentially says uh, the library and the city uh, have to work together on that. Um, we're planning on a transition for a new commission um, and outline the key points here, um, including plenty of opportunity for public access via receptions, um, email what uh, would be available on the website, um, as well as support from the current commission according to what the new commission would want and the uh, former commission um, is able and willing to offer. And we also want to call out um, being a commissioner we think is a notable time commitment uh, beyond the uh, meeting requirements. Um, don't know if the new commission would act in the same fashion uh, very intensively as the current one has. That would be up to them, but certainly, particularly at the beginning, it would be a significant time commitment. The next steps. Um, completing these presentations this month to each of the councils. We're asking for comments by November 1st, though we welcome them this evening. Um, we're suggesting the advisory committee, and we have tentative dates for November 14th and 18th to take the comments and wrestle with uh, whatever differences there are and come up with a proposed uh, sort of a final version and then take it uh, for ratification and appointment in December and January. And what we're planning to do is bring it here to be one of the first five um, that would go. The current five members would go first because unless you agree, all five unanimously agree to amendments, uh, the show stops or we go back and revisit because um, there has to be unanimous agreement to amend the current JPA. We would dissolve the advisory committee and we're aiming for an effective date of February 1st with a signing ceremony and reception to accompany that. If I can, I'd like to go over briefly some of the comments. Um, and I think in your package you have a written version um, summarizing the board's comments. I don't yet have uh, that version representing Santa Rosa's comments from last week. But the points, um, if I may, the commission membership was one of the points. Both the city and the county have said that they would like to have two members on the uh, commission as opposed to one each, which would move it from 10 to 12 members. Uh, the both express Mr. Mayor. Yes, sir. If I can ask a question. Certainly. The city of Santa Rosa and the county want two members and then everyone else just gets one or? That's right. That's right. The city and the county each have about a third of the population and the rest of the cities have about another third. The county has about 45% of the funding for the library comes from the unincorporated areas and about 25% comes from the city of Santa Rosa and Santa Rosa also has three branches. So that's the so rationale. So anecdotally, this would be yet another board that the county is proposing where we'd have unbalanced representation by Santa Rosa and by the county. I think we've seen this before. You don't need to respond to that. I think I shall not. Proceed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I, um, second point um, that's certainly caused some consternation is the community funding for additional uh, services. The way the language is written now, I think we will change to allow community funding for uh, a new branch or um, uh, the kinds of things that friends groups typically provide. That was our intention in here. But the hours is where the real rub comes. And what the Board of Supervisors suggested is raise the threshold from a majority vote of the commission to a two-thirds vote of the commission. And the city of Santa Rosa wasn't as clear in their direction, but there was clearly a lot of angst around even a two-thirds requirement, suggesting maybe it should be three-quarters or four-fifths of the commission should have to approve um, any additional hours. 
or they raise an interesting possibility. If a community raised enough money to fund additional hours, perhaps there should be some kind of a match of a significant percent that would go to the betterment of the system as a whole. So there's a real social equity concern running through these uh, comments that I'm trying to reflect to you. So, so I have another question for you in that same vein. So it, Santa Rosa has how many branches? Three. Three. And so it, one, I'm assuming, is in not as uh, uh, economically privileged neighborhood as others, correct? I would say that's, that's accurate. Um, so, so if they were to raise money, theoretically, the economically advantaged neighborhood could have more hours, yet the folks on the other side of town would close it at 5 o'clock or, or whatever. Hours. Yeah, whatever the four hours. Right. Okay. This interest has primarily come from Sebastopol, and secondly, I would say from Rohnert Park has been the cities that are most strongly, the representatives have been the strongest advocates for this local funding option. And the Santa Rosa City Council was the one, and the Board of Supervisors said two-thirds is what they would want to see in the Santa Rosa. I, the council might, if I'm interpreting them correctly, took that as the floor, not the ceiling, and potentially would want a higher threshold. Uh, one thing, that I, one thing that I want to emphasize here before you Please go on so that we can keep this in front of us with what we have. Um, this, as I understand it, is the time for Petaluma to voice its concerns, uh, not to just say, well, that's pretty good and we got, you know, a good compromise here. Right now, we're, we're looking to lay it the way we would rather see it if that's achievable. And this is our chance to say how we'd rather see it and that Petaluma is one of five entities that needs to sign on and agree, uh, if I understand this the way it's structured, is that Santa Rosa, the county, Healdsburg, Sonoma, and Petaluma, those five absolutely need to agree for any of this to go forward. That, that would be really what we're looking at here as we weigh this and we, and we want to put our input into it, correct? I think that's correct. Okay, and thanks. If I might, the, the only issue, I don't want to speak for the other uh, elected bodies, absolutely, but I will say the only issue that to me felt like a showstopper, if you will, um, for the City Council of Santa Rosa in particular was around the Central Branch. And that is the way the language works in the current JPA. There's a very high threshold. So around the central branches, the city owns the land and uh, the building there. Um, there's a very high threshold for them to give up control of that. Um, the library essentially has access to it unless the city withdraws from the JPA and the county continues to be in the JPA and they can't reach an agreement on leasing the branch to them. And that seems to me to be a pretty high threshold. What the committee recommended was the city cedes full control of the facility and the land forevermore. And the city council said, no, we're not going to completely give up control over an important piece of city-owned property in downtown. It's not that we don't want a branch down there, but we're not giving that control up forevermore. That was the most strongly worded language, and that's why I suggest that was a showstopper. The other points might be as well. They weren't as clear, but that one... They were quite, I felt quite clear. Can I follow up on that? Yes, I just want to make sure that the city council, wherever they stand on any of these issues, understands this is the time to put the issues up on the table. Please. Thank it's you, Mr. Healy. So, so explain to me how in the draft document the city of Santa Rosa's position vis-a-vis -vis the downtown Santa Rosa library facility is any different from Petaluma's position vis-a-vis -vis our library facility, which we own and which we provide. If the city wanted to find another branch for find a different location for for your branch if you found a better facility you would 
uh, negotiate with the library on moving to that branch and who pays for that etc it's part of the it's part of why we want the cities to be involved in this because they all control the branches but you would have presumably the, the option to do that the city of Santa Rosa with the language of the amended JPA would not have that option if the library unless they they worked with the library to do that but the library could say no was the main library called out and treated specially yes. from other ones okay the reason was as I understand it in 1975 when the JPA was formed is that the library paid off about 1.3 or 4 million dollars in bonds uh, related to that building and so that is what essentially gave the library a, a very strong position in managing the facility. Okay, thank you. Okay. The other key points, um, the Board of Super, the City of Santa Rosa on eligibility uh, seemed fine with allowing elected officials um, or any, again, leaving it to each jurisdiction. Uh, our Board of Supervisors um, strongly encouraged the appointment of elected officials, which was counter to many of the comments we heard uh, from the public during the process. Uh, the board supervisors also wants to see a strategic plan every five years instead of ten, feeling that things change often enough that, that would be a wise thing to do. And the city of Santa Rosa also requests that any uh, that, that some let me make sure I have this right for any tax measure that the city that the library would propose that it not be just up to the JPA Commission to approve that but that that vote would actually have to go back to the originating jurisdictions so your full council would vote on that as opposed to just your representative uh, on the Commission and those are the major differences between the board and the city uh, and the uh, recommendations before you Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take public comment and then bring it to the council for comment. And so um, speakers from the public have indicated they wish to speak to this. Um, and Tim May will lead it off. He is our library commissioner uh, and representative on this. Thank you for uh, your work on this for the past year and for many years before that. Uh, to be followed by Connie Williams. Okie dokie. Um, Again, I spoke to you once already in the last couple of weeks, but thank you for thoughtfully considering the proposed changes to the Sonoma County Library JPA. Um, there are four things, though, that I would like to emphasize. Some of them have already been mentioned. But first is that this is a draft that you've been presented. And now is the time for the City Council to really look at it and have input. Um, I, and as already been said, there's been significant input both from the city of uh, Santa Rosa and the city of, uh, I mean, in Sonoma County Board of Supervisors already. Second, as already has been said, the city of Petaluma is one of the original five signers of the JPA, and therefore uh, they have to approve the uh, changes that may be made before the changes can happen. And I don't suggest yet that the City Council not approve the changes, but uh, I feel that it puts Petaluma in a stronger position to request changes. Uh, and just as an aside, I know that the members of the Healdsburg Library Advisory Board is meeting with their City Council tonight, encouraging them to completely deny any changes to the JPA, current JPA. So it's not only this city that has issues being raised. 
Third, on the issue of individual city enhancement of their city services, as I said in the document that you have, I would suggest that since the cities provide buildings, the way that one of the ways that they can improve their services is to improve the buildings. Healdsburg, Sebastopol have in totally inadequate buildings. And finally, there are several members of the lab and the friends here tonight, and I just wanted to mention that we all together represent well over 100 years of thought and uh, to get accumulated thought about the Petaluma Library and um, that, or thousands of hours of volunteer service. Um, and I am also happy to answer any questions that you might have. Do you have any questions for Mr. May at this time? Thank you. Uh, next is Connie Williams to be followed by Marie Hinton. Thank you. Hi, thank you very much. I'm Connie Williams. I have been a library worker for most of my adult life, starting from assistant on up into uh, being a librarian and working both in the public, academic, and school libraries. But I'm here today as just an ordinary person on the ground that has noticed the library hours that have gone away, particularly our all-day Monday hours and things like that. So I am just here to basically be another body to say that those of us that use the library all the time would like to have the hours more available and that for every library that stays closed that's less access for our students our kids our adults for everyone to have access and so like you I'm, I'm concerned about the equity and hope that whatever you guys decide you will include that equity across the board for everyone and just would have you walk away with the old saying from the 70s that libraries will get you through times of no money better than money will get you through times of no libraries. So please keep them open. Thank you. Thank you. Jerry uh, Groves. You're Marie Hinton, correct? Yes, I yes. am. Thank I'm you, Marie Hinton. Um, I have been a member of the Library Advisory Board in Petaluma for 38 years and I'm presently serving as chair. And um, in, regarding the JPA draft presented to you tonight, I have some things that I'm very happy with. I think it would be important to increase the commission um, by two members. I do have concerns about being elected official. Uh, we have been fortunate that Teresa is serving uh, as a member, uh, the council member on our lab at the present time and she attends all the meetings. But there have been times when uh, members do not, and I think that would be a problem with elected officials and the amount of time that they spend on their other jobs. But the main issue that I want to talk to tonight is the issue of equity. I'm also a school librarian, and I've seen the effect of the have and the have-nots. And if in, in an instance, uh, Area X wants to raise uh, sales tax to improve their library or increase their services, uh, and they do so and then the Commission thinks that it would be beneficial for the library countywide to put a sales tax on area X is not going to support another tax when they already have a tax that serves their library and I think it's unfortunate to look at we have 13 libraries in the county and we do have an equity of service and I would hate to see that change thank, thank you mr. mayor Jerry Groves to be followed by Emily Reeder, uh, Roeder. 
Good evening. Uh, I'm Jerry Groves, and I am. A Could you speak into the microphone, please? Oh, Thank sorry. you. Uh, I'm Jerry Groves, and I'm a member of the Petaluma uh, Library Advisory uh, Board. Also, I'm a member of the Friends of the Petaluma Library. Um, I, uh, too, have, uh, can commend some of the uh, things that have been proposed, uh, some of the changes and some of the new items, uh, such as the broadening of the membership. If uh, other cities and areas were included in the commission, then it would expand the ability to really reach out and to understand what the needs were of the different areas and meet their needs better, I believe. However, I am greatly concerned about one provision, and it is the provision that allows for a uh, member, which would be a city, or a person, or some other entity, to give money to a particular branch for the purpose of that branch extending their service hours. Uh, that would be um, a difficult situation uh, for personnel, uh, for uh, certainly uh, the uh, inequity that people would feel in other communities. Um, I'm also concerned because I think that it would, um, as Marie said, I think it would uh, be a difficult situation if uh, the uh, if the commission decided that they needed to impose some kind of a tax, or propose it at least, uh, for the purpose of either the extending hours or for some other purpose, if in the meantime uh, the city, uh, say of Santa Rosa or Healdsburg, would decide to uh, have a tax initiative that would extend the hours for that particular branch, then it's understandable that the citizens of those communities would not support a proposed tax for the countywide system. Uh, they already have a tax. This would be an additional tax. And tax measures are difficult enough to pass, but this certainly would make it much more difficult, I believe. It is true that everybody would like the library to be open more hours. Uh, we would hope to better serve the community in any way possible, but with the difficult economy and um, the difficulty of having shrinking budgets, the last five years, the budget for each branch for the whole system has decreased year by year. And hopefully some of those will be made up if the economy comes back. But there's no guarantee, and the time may come when a tax might be needed to be applied. Hopefully, it would be countywide. Um, please consider either excluding this provision for allowing extra funding for one particular branch, making an inequity in the whole system, or consider not verifying this joint this draft of this joint powers agreement and go back to the original joint powers agreement. Thank, Thank you. you. Emily uh, Roder, please, to be followed by Kate Keaton. Thank you very much. I spoke with you a while back and Mr. Mayor, you were not here at that time, so <clears throat> you didn't hear my comments. I'm a member of the friend of the Petaluma Library Advisory Board. I'm also the president of the Friends Organization, of which we have 300 
members and we have as many as 70 people who are working to raise funds for the library. The reason we raise funds is to add to what the library has and what they don't have. They give us a yearly request of wish list. The manager does. And we have provided everything they've asked for. But in order for us to provide hours and to have uh, any connection with unions as far as the workers, I don't think that could, would be at all possible. So therefore, again, I'm another one who is opposed to that particular aspect of the Joint Powers Agreement. And I request that you consider it as not being part of the, the Joint Powers Agreement. Thank you. Thank you. Kate Keaton to be followed by Jim Rosacci. Hello, my name is Kate, and I'm one of the librarians here at the Petaluma Library. I guess I'm part of the thousand years that Tim was talking about. I've been um, in the system for 27 years, and in those years, I have worked at six different libraries around the county. So, Mr. Kearney, I worked at the one library in Santa Rosa in the, um, the poorer part of town. So I am also speaking about the equity issue. I worked at the Guerneville Library, and Guerneville serves the coast, and that area is, um, has a lot of low-income people who really do not have any extra money that they'd be able to raise to add extra services to their library. I've also worked in better-off communities where I know they love the library equally. They would love to be able to give more money, but it concerns me as a librarian and having worked in these different areas that we maintain the equity that we have had for um, since 75 when the, um, the JPA was founded. So that's also my concern. I'm, I'm adding my voice to that. And also while I'm standing here, since I am from the public library, and I know many of you use the library, and I know some of you have come and worked in our garden in front of the library. Thank you very much. Um, if any of you at any time want to come in and really explore the whole library, I would love to give you a tour. My branch manager would love to give you a tour. If you haven't visited the history room at the library, it's um, a great place to start with the history. And um, thank you very much. Thank you. Jim Rosacci. Good evening, I'm Mayor and City Council. Uh, I last appeared here in 1982. Uh, I was introduced as the shiny brand new Petaluma librarian and uh, I served here for a while then was promoted uh, to work at the, in the, at the county level. I've worked for 25 years and so I'm coming back because this council has the ability to basically stop this process if, if you wish to uh, because it requires unanimous approval of all the five original parties. I'm recommending that you consider two specific things uh, and I'm also recommending that you not approve if you can't get changes on these two specific items. Number one is the equity issue because allowing a local, a local branch, a local fundraiser, a local individual to add hours to a local community library would be a new element. The original Joint Powers Agreement did require uh, equity or at least a best effort toward equity across the system. Cloverdale, Greenville would never ever ever be able to increase their hours through fundraising. Um, it's not been possible since 1975 for one community to raise funds or open their, their own library for additional hours, but they can raise funds for lots of other things, materials, uh, building improvements, that kind of thing. Poorer or smaller communities should not wind up with less county library services because larger or better funded communities can just buy more 
local services through fundraising. I know that many, many people want the library's reduced hours restored. Creating more haves and haves nots is not an equitable solution. In this manner, the existing joint powers agreement has the solution that works best, I think, for this community and this county. Please consider not approving the agreement if the equity issue can't be resolved in the manner it's in the current joint powers agreement. I'm also recommending that library commissioners not be appointed uh, from elected officials or employees of a jurisdiction. Library commissioners have unique responsibilities uh, providing and protecting intellectual freedom, free speech, individual privacy, and access to information. And these combine that sometimes they have to stand in a very public way for principles. Uh, the library has been uh, under the watchful eye of the, joint, of the uh, grand jury uh, for a couple times. And uh, intellectual freedom and freedom of speech are the issues that come up. And the library commission's job is much different than other boards and, and uh, commissions in, in the larger community. Uh, I think a, a buffer between the elected officials and the administration of the public, public library is a good thing. And so it should, the commission itself should not be comprised of either elected officials or employees of the jurisdiction itself. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. I have no other speaker cards. If there's anyone that wishes to address the council on this item, please step forward now or give me another otherwise indication. Uh, seeing no one do so, public comment on this is hereby closed. I'm going to open it up tonight with uh, Councilmember Barrett, who has spent a good deal of time in the last year with uh, this process and with these bodies and is our liaison to the library. And then I'll get to Councilmember Kearney and we'll go from there. Councilmember Barrett. Okay, um, thank you. I, I really don't have a lot more to say than I did uh, last time this came to the council, but I really want to say thank you to everybody who came, and especially Don, for coming and giving a really good uh, presentation, I think, that really outlined what the issues are and actually updating us on what the uh, input has been from those bodies that you have spoken to, so I appreciate that. Um, and I think that helps us look at this in terms of how we want to look at it. Uh, um, for me, the, the main two issues I have had throughout this whole thing have been exactly what Jim Rosati just was saying, and that is um, the whole question of equity, which everyone, I think, just about weighed in on, and um, the whole question of electeds. And I think the way to deal with electeds is the way that this um, draft does and that is that it's just quiet on it that's what the original one did and it just doesn't say anything and you know I think once an elected gets appointed they'll, they'll drop out real quickly uh, because they just won't be able to keep up the amount of work that the Commission does it's a huge amount of work um, so but just to give one more perspective on this equity issue one of the things I've learned which I wasn't so aware of before being part of this um, ad hoc committee was that libraries in poorer areas play a much bigger role in the communities of those areas than libraries do in, in more well-heeled areas. You know, Petaluma, Santa Rosa, they have more civic places or, or other places for people to meet and talk and do things uh, that than other areas like Guerneville or Cloverdale or um, other places that need those libraries. And also those libraries not only affect the communities, but they affect the school districts in those areas, which 
rely on the libraries for school librarians. They just don't have them anymore. And so if the library is not open, the school doesn't have um, library services for their kids. So, so I think the equity issue is really important because you know we've seen school districts where one school has all kinds of stuff and other school districts have no, schools in the same district have nothing. And um, as well-intentioned as some people may be in trying to get better, uh, more hours or whatever for their own area, I, I do think it will have a tendency to backfire in general. So that's all I'll say. Thank you, Mr. Kearney. Uh, so I completely agree with Councilmember uh, Barrett. Your zip code shouldn't dictate your access, uh, not only for libraries but for public education. That's my personal belief. Um, just because you don't come from a, uh, a rich neighborhood doesn't mean you shouldn't have the same uh, ability to access the services uh, that our uh, government dollars provide. Uh, folks that don't have access to the internet, uh, don't have access to computers, go to the libraries to use those those resources. And um, I would hate to see neighborhoods that don't have money not have the same thing uh, that other neighborhoods have uh, based on, on that. So uh, I'm not supportive of that. Um, if any of you get a chance to check out Miss Hinton's library at Old Adobe School, you should. It's a wonderful library. She does a great job there. And uh, my high school librarian got up and spoke as well. Uh, and the Cost Grande Library was great when she was there, uh, and I was a student as well, uh, as an aside. The other issue um, for me, uh, you know, I have no interest in serving on the library board because it's way above my uh, thought process level. And so I, you know, I don't think that we would have an issue with uh, council members wanting to serve uh, on, on that. So I'm in agreement on that issue. You're, um, you're in agreement that it's silent, the language is silent, and fine. you're good with yeah. that. Okay, uh, go on. The issue I do have a problem with is what the county and city of Santa Rosa brought up. Uh, I would not be supportive of them being able to have two votes uh, at the county and two votes at the uh, city of Santa Rosa uh, and then us have one. It wouldn't make sense for us to continue on into a new JPA where we then have a lesser vo voice at the table. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be supportive uh, if that was uh, one of the issues that we move forward with. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Harris and then Mr. Healy. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, I guess quickly on the uh, elected portion, I'm fine with the, the silent uh, language as well. Um, I agree with the sentiments of the two previous uh, council members, and, and I felt that the testimony was rather compelling from uh, the audience, what they brought up in terms of the equity issues, um, especially in light of as you play this out, if a, if, if a municipality or some angel brought monies forward, then if you try to a county-wide uh, measure revenue enhancement in the future, it could hamper those efforts. So as you play those things out, that was very compelling because I understand um, the chess pieces out there sometimes when you're trying to accomplish things across an entire system, and we've had those discussions in various manners for other reasons as well. So that, that uh, was very compelling of how that was explained. So I would uh, add weight to the, uh, the equity issue as well as the second piece of that. Okay, thank you. Mr. Healy. Yeah, thank you. Uh, could someone please remind me, maybe it's Teresa, maybe it's someone else here. Um, we, when the last time we talked about this, this whole equity issue got thrashed around pretty thoroughly as well. And I understand it got discussed at, at great length at the, the committee hearings uh, that brought this draft forward. And there was a, a vote there. And could, could someone please remind us what the vote there was on that equity issue and whether there'd be a local option? Uh, 
It'll take me a moment to look back in the minutes. I don't remember exactly which meeting that was, but I do have them here. You want to proceed with something else while he looks for that? Sure. So I'm, I'm fine with the, the existing language on electeds. Um, there was a comment made that none of the other council members have addressed that I thought was interesting, and I think it was either the city of Santa Rosa or the county was talking about having some jurisdiction oversight on matters going to the ballot that, that, that would have to come back to um, Santa Rosa. Thank you. Um, the, and there, there might be something to be said for that, that, that a majority of the jurisdictions would have to sign off after the commission uh, wanted to put a ballot measure on um, because, you know, we're, we're always juggling competing ballot measures and making decisions based on what else we know is out there and uh, coming on the ballot. And um, it, it would it would provide a layer of protection to the other issues we're trying to, to, to move forwards on. Uh, so I'd, I'd say that. I think the, uh, the one jurisdiction, one vote was good enough in 1975 and it's good enough now. And um, I would hate to see uh, Santa Rosa or the county pull a banner and uh, blow up this whole process over that issue. I'm okay with uh, issue uh, with Santa Rosa having a uh, modified language for its central library given the uh, discussion we just had and now I'm down to the last issue so have you found uh, have you found that yet I'm looking okay we're gonna go on to the next council member and we'll get oh, well, an here's answer. the thing I mean, we'll get an I, answer okay well I know there was a majority vote uh, of the of the 12 jurisdictions and this equity issue didn't prevail and and so I'm, I'm now faced with with the question you know I just warn Santa Rosa and the county not to do that. Are we going to now do the same thing over that issue and lie down in the tracks and say we're not going to approve this thing over that issue where, you know, there was a majority vote and that, that position lost? Um, you know, we, we could threaten to blow up the whole process over that. Uh, I'm, you know, my sympathies are kind of on, in, in the middle on that. But, but the other thing there is, too, and maybe we could have a discussion around this, because, you know, we've gone down from six days of operation to five days of operation in the relatively recent past. Um, I look at pub funding for public services around the state of California. It's not on a very pretty trend line. So could we be going to four days service? Could we be going to three days service? Or those things that are within, within the realm of possibility in the next 10 years? I'll speak in a little different um, hat, if I might, right now. As part of my role at the county administrator's office, I also am responsible, while the board still has jurisdiction over the budget, to review it for them. The library is in a significant uh, financial stress right now. Um, they have a major OPEB liability that has not been funded fully and is not being funded adequately this year. They face $400,000 a year increase in CalPERS pension costs in the next five years or so, um, and they don't have plans for replacing or maintaining facilities, equipment, et cetera. Um, so I'd say they are far from out of the woods. The, the end of redevelopment is helping them because it will put more property tax money that, their way. Uh, the recovery is doing a little better this year for them than we expected, but their biggest single hole compared to five years ago is state money, about $600,000 that will likely never come back. At least it's, I consider it, and I, and I think library staff consider that. And, and I really likely. appreciate your candor on that. But, but just to bring it back to, to this one issue, I mean, this is going to be a long-term governing document. And, and if, you're, if, 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 if service levels could be reduced further from what people already regard as inadequate service levels, and I certainly regard them as inadequate, 
then you're going to see more more interest in, at the grassroots level about doing something about it. And I, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily ready to, to stand in front of people and say, no, you can't do that to help your library. I understand the equity issues. I'd like to work this through. Um, but I don't think it's as simple as it's been presented to us tonight. So that's okay. Idea. So we got we got that on the table, uh, and we'll come back and have a little more discussion because part of that makes the compelling case for what the concern is on the other end is you'll never pass a countywide measure, and here we are talking about a countywide shutdown of the library system, and you may very well wind up with uh, pockets where libraries are open because some communities have some money and they take care of their local neighborhood and that's the concern so we need to weigh all of that and figure out where we are councilmember miller i just responded just if i might on the question yeah the notes that i'm able to uh review there was not actually a vote that i have recorded my notes at least i can find on the uh issue around expanding hours i think it was extensive discussion and the consensus that that was um, okay to do with some significant restrictions and um, the most important restriction well, probably two I would say one was um, it can't harm the system as a whole and second thing is any hours that are open are open to all so if it was the Petaluma branch that was open you can't check IDs people from Santa Rosa shall not come Councilmember Miller um, I generally agree with what has been said by everybody I'm fine with uh, leaving the draft uh, quiet on the elected officials issue um, I agree with councilmember Kearney with respect to um, you know I think each jurisdiction should have one vote um, we don't need to weigh it in favor of either Santa Rosa or the county um, the equity issue I, I see sort of both sides of it and and so um, you know would would like to have a little I think more discussion around around the equity issue um, we certainly don't want um, more well-to-do jurisdictions you know having better library hours than than those that are are less well-to-do um, that's that's a huge equity issue but um, but we also want the libraries open as much as we can get them open so um, you know, I'd, I'd be curious to hear from Councilmember Barrett on sort of more details on that discussion that was had at the at the meeting. Um, well, Councilmember Barrett, I will weigh in on this, but uh, you know, um, I, I want people, uh, Don and, and Jim and Tim in particular, who I know have been at practically all these meetings as well, um, to go yes or no if you remember it differently, but. Um, in, in light of what Mr. Um, uh, Councilmember um, Healy was saying, I believe that Santa Rosa, who has now gone on, the, their council is voting against, or they want stricter control on equity. Their, their representative on the committee was in favor of um, jurisdictions being able to do what they wanted. Healdsburg's as well, and Healdsburg is their lab is going to suggest to the council that they just turn the whole thing down. The county, because of equity issues, is one of the things that they're concerned about. Um, and the county representative also was uh, in favor of the equity, uh, keeping things equitable. So those are all people in jurisdictions that have already been. Um, their, their position has been turned over by their the board they're on or the council that they had were uh, you know supposedly representing um, 
so you know there there was a lot of give and take and a lot of it you know you just had to make your decision well through the discussion that was there and then you know you come back but all the labs of the entire county did have an opportunity to come and speak to this committee and with the exception of one and maybe Ronert Park said it too I didn't hear it from Ronert Park but only the Sebastopol lab was interested in being able to do local fundraising for their own library that included hiring somebody and uh, and that sort of sent a ripple effect through or a chill I would say through a lot of the other labs and friends associations because it it really makes it very awkward uh, when friends are then being said you know well gee the ones in Sebastopol they can hire somebody don't you love us as much as they do you know it's it's and then you become their employer or you know or what do you do you you're raising money for somebody for how long and in two years you have to say well we couldn't raise any more money your job's gone and how does the union thing work with that I mean it's a really awkward issue that way that people that, that the labs particularly felt uncomfortable with but I think I think the um, example of if one jurisdiction does pass a, a law or have an angel as, as Councilmember Harris said drop some money in their lap and they get to fund these positions in their library they not only are not going to probably vote for a countywide measure they're going to vote against it because they don't want to tax themselves twice so that you're not only losing a vote you're getting you know you're losing two votes so so it really will in uh, end up hurting the organization as a whole and, and I think now is the time to weigh in on that this is a big concern and we want you to go back and and you know we want what we want is equity how we how you get it work that on the 14th and 18th before you bring this back to us the um did councilmember miller have any other comments at this time because i know you wanted to hear from councilmember barrett are, are you finished okay i'm going to weigh in here I, i'll come to mr harris first oh first okay sure um so after all this uh discussion and uh, let me just confirm one piece is that if if it's true in this needs a unanimous vote right so if it's true healdsburg is voting against it potentially tonight if that rang true then no matter what we did here well that's the healdsburg lab that's not the healdsburg okay. council gotcha okay so and it is a recommendation just the way santa rosa okay all right and, and i do believe that i based on partly your comments but i think from what i've heard sort of through the grapevine more than anything else that uh, the two greatest concerns there, um, one are is the equity issue and the other is the elected officials issue. And if I'm just trying to get my arms around, is this dead on arrival or is there still, that's what I'm trying to get my arms around. Certainly, it's not dead yet. It's on life support. Okay, so uh, with that, we could, uh, we could look at uh, the situation of equity and I heard concerns from Council Member Harris uh, Kearney, Barrett, not that council members Healy and Miller aren't concerned, but that that was an overriding thing for them with the equity. If anybody wants to change off that perspective, because I'm concerned about the equity issue, it's a deal breaker for me. Because I'm sitting there looking at as much as I want all of the library to be open, and I'm very active in the library. My wife has been very active in the libraries at the school uh, here in the city. Uh, when you and, and and I didn't know how I felt that's the beauty of these hearings until you mentioned that we're talking about a scenario of libraries going down to two or three days a week possibly 
if that is the eventuality, the only way the poor neighborhoods are going to get any kind of access to libraries is if there is countywide urgency to pass a measure and support the libraries throughout the county. Because otherwise I think it's inevitable that we wind up with pockets that have full service and won't tax themselves twice. That, that rings with me. Uh, and, if, and if it's been this way for 75 years, I don't think this is the fundamental issue since, that... Since 75. Since 1975. So it's been this way for 25, 35, 38 years. It's pretty well tested. And uh, people aren't ready to riot in the streets over equal access to the libraries. And so, I, and what I hear from people that serve on library advisory boards and librarians and career professionals is keep it equal access. So that's where I'm lining up on this. Didn't know where I'd line up really until I heard what was said tonight. So unless somebody of the three on this side that I mentioned have fundamentally shifted where they indicated they were, you've got direction. It may not be unanimous, and we all have concerns, but you've got direction on that one issue, is that we want equity in a, in a deal that's structured. Uh, now, there are some other issues that were put out here on the table. Um, the stacked voting. I don't know that that's a deal breaker for me. I got a concern about the thing having 10 representatives on it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't know why the county needs two and Santa Rosa needs two because effectively that's four for Santa Rosa. That's the way that those numbers always turn out. Uh, I'm concerned about it and I hate to see our influence diluted because right now we have uh, more of an influence. We certainly would have less under the JPA the way it is, one jurisdiction, one vote. If I had my druthers, that's what I'd stick with. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd fall on a sword over that issue. But since this is guidance tonight, you can kind of surmise where that is and we can pull the council uh, of how do people want to see that issue or is it an issue important enough to stand up and say that's the way you want it. As, as much as I love our colleagues on the Santa Rosa City Council and our, our friends at the Board of Supervisors, uh, there's three members of the board of supervisors that four represent a chunk of Santa Rosa. Yeah. All but uh, Supervisor Rabbit represent a chunk of Santa Rosa. So it would be hard for me to imagine that anyone other than a Santa Rosa person would be picked by that body uh, to represent them on that board. And so, again, you know, Mr. Mayor, you said there'd be four essentially votes from Santa Rosa. I don't, don't like that. Uh, I, I didn't like it with the clean power uh, proposition. I don't like it with this one. Uh, and so one entity, one vote is what I would uh, uh, propose. Let me just go down the line. Can I just make a couple of quick, just yes, quick comments? One is just to try to be messenger here about what I've heard without um, advocating one or another. One is that uh, the county is, will, no matter how this turns out, will be giving up more authority than anybody else. Because right now the county has five out of seven appointments to the commission. So it could whether it be one out of 10 or two out of 12. Uh -huh. And I realize Petaluma also um, you know, diminishes influence overall, as does um, Santa Rosa potentially, but nobody loses more influence than the county because five of the seven are now appointed. Second thing is on the um, discussion at the Board of Supervisors meeting, um, and I believe this is also uh, reflective at the discussion on the Advisory Committee meeting, the primary rationale for having an additional county representative um, was because the unincorporated areas are really different than the cities and really severely underrepresented vis-a-vis um, -vis their population as well as the financial contribution to the library. But when places, not just like Guerneville, but when you're talking about Gualala and Bodega Bay, um, Glen Ellen, um, there's places that really don't have any 
there was a sense that they are particularly different and they need more representation. There was even a discussion at the board meeting about maybe it should be a West County appointment. Um, and Supervisor Correa said, no, it, like all appointments, it needs to be by the board as a whole. And certainly, even if this current board reflects that and appoints people from the unincorporated area, you're right, it's a long-term document and there's no guarantees that would be the case going forward. No. But I just felt, trying to be messenger, I should share that with you. I appreciate that. What I, what I would say, because, you know, how many issues do you fall on a sword for? My big one is the equity issue here. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the county appointment process, and I know what uh, sometimes doesn't function, because I've been doing this well enough. You get a body of 10, and when you wind up 5-5, five, five, you're in real trouble. What I would say, I'd split the baby, I'd compromise, I'd say give the county two, Santa Rosa, and every other jurisdiction in the uh, area one. You, you got a body of 11. You at least can get a vote out of there at 6-5, rather than and hang up 5-5 five, five on something, heaven forbid that would happen. But if you do enough issues, it will happen. And it, it's a tough number. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would just say there's a bit of advice. Mm -hmm. um, but I wouldn't fall on a sword over it. Not a, not a make or break deal. For equity is the fall on the sword issue here. Yes, it is. Is that a fair? For me, it is. Okay. It, Mr. Kearney. So uh, you know, I, uh, prior to sitting on the council, I, I was on the mental health board for four years and the Community Development Committee for three years. And I saw over and over again uh, services disproportionately being sent to West County. Uh, you know, services not proportionate to the population, you know, going there, uh, especially in mental health areas. You know, South County had their mental health office closed and an office opened in Guerneville were a lot bigger than them population-wise. I have a hard time with disproportionate uh, votes for the county. For me, it's an issue, uh, but you know. Yeah, Mr. Mayor. Uh, yes, sir, Mr. Brown. Uh, thank you. This is, it was a presentation, uh, yes, scheduled as a presentation, and I understand the county's looking for some feedback. Uh, but I think we're sort of moving into to dangerous territory here when we start talking about deliberation, which is sort of the way this is feeling to me at this point. Um, okay. I, I, I believe I've kept pretty good track of the individual council members' concerns, and I can see where they're syncing up. Uh, what I would propose is if the council has additional comments they'd like to share here uh, for the county and, and for my benefit, uh, let's go ahead and finish that off. And then what I would propose to do is to bring back a draft of a letter to the county that we can send prior to the no November 1st deadline uh, at your meeting of the 21st. And you can then go ahead and have the deliberation you need over any of the elements of that that don't quite work for you. Perfect. I've had my say. Anybody else have any other things they want to add? With that, you got your direction. We're good to go. Uh, I have comments that I will use to put a letter together with. Thank you so much. Thank you for the presentation and thank you for your patience. You're welcome. And thank you for allowing me to go first early in the agenda. I get to go do this with the commission now. So, yes, sir. So thank, thank you. you. With that, we're uh, back on to our agenda. <laughs> Let's see. I want to thank the people with the patience on the proclamations. Um, with that, we're on to our next proclamation. This is uh, City of Petaluma Proclamation International Walk and Roll to School Day, October 9th, 2013. Dave Alden is here accepting the proclamation. Uh, Councilmember Miller is presenting the proclamation, which reads as follows. Whereas a lack of physical activity plays a leading role in rising rates of obesity, diabetes, and other health problems among children and being able to walk 
or bicycle to school offers an opportunity to build activity into daily routine. And whereas driving students to school by private vehicle con contributes to traffic congestion, air pollution, and climate change, and whereas an important role for parents and caregivers is to teach children about pedestrian and bicycle safety and become aware of the difficulties and dangers that children face on their trip to school each day, and the health and environmental risks related to physical inactivity and air pollution, and whereas community leaders and parents can determine the walkability or bikeability of their community by using a walkability or bikeability checklist and collaborating with local public work agencies, and whereas children, parents, and community leaders around the world are joining together to walk and bicycle to school and evaluate walking and bicycle conditions in their communities. Now, therefore, be it resolved that I, David Glass, Mayor of Petaluma, along with each member of the Petaluma City Council, hereby proclaims October 9th, 2013 as International Walk and Roll to School Day here in Petaluma and encourage everyone to consider the safety and health of children today, that day, and every day. Mr. Alden. I'm a bit embarrassed to be uh, accepting this this evening. I just newly arrived on the on PBAC. Uh, I had really no role in this, but I was the only one willing to come to the meeting tonight, which is odd because I'm the only Dodger fan on the committee, and I'm the one here. Uh, but I'm thrilled that the uh, PBAC has been involved in this effort. I'm thrilled that the City Council has taken note of that, and I will make sure this gets into the hands of the people who should have been here this evening. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for your patience. Uh, with that, we are on to El Dia de los Miertos, Petaluma, October 5, November uh, 3. Presenting this proclamation is Councilmember Barrett. Accepting the proclamation is Community Leader Margie Helm and others. And the proclamation reads as follows. Celebrate El Dia de los Miertos, Petaluma, October 5 to November 3rd, 2013. Whereas El Dia de los Miertos is a memorial celebration from Latin and South America, when loved ones who have died are welcomed back as honored guests between October 31 and November 2nd. And whereas the Petaluma Art Center is the umbrella organization for a cross-cultural committee that has planned a citywide celebration of Aldea de los Miertos Petaluma since 2001. And whereas the celebration of Aldea de los Miertos builds bridges between communities in Petaluma and provides opportunities to remember loved ones who have died. And whereas by honoring those who have gone before us and the arts and culture of Latin and South America, we honor our shared humanity. And whereas residents of all ages, cultural, and ethnic groups are finding Petaluma's celebration of Aldea de los Miertos to be comforting and engaging. And whereas through the celebration of Aldea de los Miertos Petaluma, the community is united in providing cultural offerings citywide. Now, therefore, be it resolved that I, David Glass, Mayor of Petaluma, along with the members of the Petaluma City Council, do hereby proclaim October 5 to November 3rd of this year, El Dia de las Miertos Petaluma 2013, in recognition of the cultural contributions of Latin and South America, the human need to honor loved ones who have died, and the importance of building community to improve the quality of life for all residents in Petaluma. And if you'd like to address the council, that would be wonderful. Good evening. My name is Gloria McAllister and uh, dear Honorable Mr. Mayor David Glass and, and all city council members. It is an honor to receive this proclamation. Honestly, it is. And on behalf of El Dia de los Muertos um, organizers and the Petaluma Arts Center, 
I would like to thank you. Thank you for proclaiming El Dia de los Muertos to be a beautiful and beneficial celebration for uh, Petaluma, where we all can share our humanity. As you said, it, you said it's so beautiful, and uh, this proclamation means a lot to us and the opportunity to share it with the whole city of Petaluma and anybody else that want to come and join us. Um, we would like to invite you, Mr. Mayor, David Glass, and all city members to our next um, event. And, but before that, I would like for you to come to the Art Center where you can see uh, lots of altars and beautiful art to come and see how culturally uh, from Latin America, like you said, we can celebrate those that, we, that have died and we still can celebrate their lives. Come and join us. Um, with that, our next event, like as many more that you can actually see it on our, our schedule of events, our very next one is our Taste of Mexico, which is a mole sauce extravaganza contest. That is on October 12, between 4 and 9 at the Petaluma Art Center. We have lots of entertainment and uh, lots of uh, people to visit with and share um, those people that they have lost and healed together. Uh, we have brought each and every one of you a present, a ticket for our mole tasting. Please come and join us. And also we have brought our beautiful family, the Quintas, with us to um, bring you a present. And um, perhaps, maybe with this present, you might consider um, building your own altar for those that you have lost personally. This is Mrs. Quintas. <coughs> Emilia Quintas is a beautiful family member from Oaxaca that comes and teaches each year how to build an altar for those that are interested in learning how at the Art Center. So with this, I would like for her to go around and present you with her gift. We had other members to come over, but it looks like they got stuck outside doing something. But Marjorie's going to say something to you guys, too. Just thank you guys very much. Appreciate thank you. It. Thank you. Thank you. This is traditional, traditional pan de muerto that uh, Amelia makes for us every year. Gracias. And should you be keeping an altar at home, this can go on your altar at home. It's also incredibly edible and delicious. Thank so. You. So what are the hours on Saturday? Four to nine. Four to nine. So we get to eat for five hours. At least. Perfect. At least. <laughs> we have. We're, I, we're very, <laughs> I, I told you I wasn't going to say anything, and now I'm. Now I am. But we we are very excited. We have twelve mole entries, four professional, from as far north as Healdsburg, and as far east as Emeryville, and those are the professional chefs. And also, we will be featuring the wines of five Latino wineries: Ceja, Robledo, Paras, Enrique. Oh my goodness, I'm forgetting the the last one. But come and see, you'll be you'll have wonderful food and wine available to you. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. There's Abraham. There's Abraham. With that, with that next up is um 
proclamation to the fire chief. This is fire prevention week, or uh, perhaps accepting as the fire marshal, I don't know, Carrie Fergus. Um, but if one of you would step forward, Mr. Fergus, thank you so much. Councilmember Healy has the following proclamation. It's Fire Prevention Week, October 6 through 12, 2013. Whereas the city of Petaluma is committed to ensuring the safety and security of all its residents and visitors, and by providing fire safety information, the Petaluma Fire Department empowers its residents with the information and skills needed to improve the safety of their home environments and the community at large. And whereas fire is a serious public safety concern, both locally and nationally, and homes are where people are at the greatest risk of experiencing a fire, with cooking being the leading cause of home fires in the United States. And whereas two of every five home fires start in the kitchen where unattended cooking equipment is a factor in one-third of the reporting cooking fires. And whereas residents should stay in the kitchen when frying food on the stovetop, keep a three-foot kid-free zone around cooking areas and keep anything that can catch fire away from stovetops. And whereas the best way to protect homes from the effects of a residential fire is to have working smoke alarms and a fire sprinkler system installed. And whereas the 2013 Fire Prevention Week theme, Prevent Kitchen Fires, effectively serves to remind us to stay alert and use caution when cooking to reduce the risk of kitchen fires. Now therefore it be resolved that I, David Glass, Mayor of Petaluma, along with each member of the Petaluma City Council, hereby proclaims October 6th through 12, 2013 as Fire Prevention Week in the City of Petaluma and urge everyone to check their kitchens for fire hazards and use safe cooking practices during Fire Prevention Week as well as all year long and to support the many public safety activities and efforts of the Petaluma Fire Chief and uh, Fire Department. Thank you for being here. Thank you. On behalf of the Fire Department, thank you very much. Appreciate yes, sir. Uh, with that, uh, we're through proclamations. We're on to presentations. Mr. Brown, it's time for recognition of employee longevity uh, awards. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you, Mr. Mayor. This is a, a quarterly event that uh, the council recognizes those employees who have been with the city for uh, five years or longer. Uh, and this evening we have uh, a fairly short list, and I'll start with the 15-year employees. There are four of those. They're all in uh, the area of public safety. Uh, Patrick Gerke with the police department, uh, Michael Pierre with the police department, Burt Walker with the police department, and Jude Prokop with the fire department. Uh, in the 10-year category, we have one individual, that's Pamela Stevens, our Human Resources Manager. Uh, and in the five-year category, we have uh, Chief Larry Anderson, there in the back of the room, uh, John Olafs with the Public Works and Utilities Department, and Adam Wirtz with the Police Department. So we appreciate the, uh, the effort of all of these folks and uh, their willingness to stick with the city for all that time. Thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. Okay, and with that, we're on to regular general public comment for items that are not on the agenda. Uh, and I only have two speaker cards for this segment, so if I missed anybody, step forward after I call the second speaker, uh, Jessica Jones, to be followed by Katherine Babowski. Good evening, members of Petaluma City Council and Mayor David Glass. I'm uh, a member of the Sonoma Group Sierra Club, 
and I'm also a JC student. And I'm going to read a letter tonight that uh, Sierra Club and Sonoma County Conservation Action both endorsed. The Sierra Club, Sonoma Group, and Sonoma County Conservation Action endorsed the Sonoma County Waste Management Agency policy that would regulate single-use carry-out bags from grocery and retail stores and eliminate the use of single-use plastic bags altogether. The energy put into producing and recycling plastic bags damages beautiful Sonoma County and beyond. Many of these bags will not be recycled, but will instead pollute our landscape, our creeks, our ocean, and be detrimental to wildlife. Countywide action is needed to give a consistent message to grocers and retailers regarding how Sonoma County will regulate carry-out bags and to prevent the environmental damage that disposable plastic bags cause. We urge all of Sonoma County cities to vote to vote, whoa, can't read, uh, to vote to join the County Waste Management Joint Powers Authority to ban plastic carryout bags. More than 200 municipalities around the world have taken similar action. It's time for Sonoma County to join them. Signed by Dan Kerbine, Chair of Sierra Club Sonoma Group, and Denny Rosati, Executive Director for Sonoma County Conservation Action. And I emailed this letter to all of you as well. And if you have any questions, just let me know. Thank you. Thank you. Catherine Brabowski. Yes, my name is Catherine Brabowski. First, I didn't like mention, I did have some pictures for you, but I forgot to bring them. Next time, I will bring them. Now, isn't it against the law to be parking on red fire lanes all over the city of Pelham? Now, isn't the city is now? If it is now, uh, <clears throat> isn't Littlewoods part of uh, City Pelham? Isn't it inside Pelham? Well, the other day, uh, several months, a couple of months ago, a neighbor of mine, she was picking up her daughter, her disabled daughter. She was parked there for less than five minutes because her daughter was disabled. She was going to take her daughter to the doctor's. The, the, uh, the lady was white. Uh, so the police gave her a ticket, but we got some Hispanic, Hispanics parking there on the far lanes for hours, 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 and hours. The police do not give them tickets; they just give them a slap on the wrist and let them go, let them do whatever they do. Well, on uh, yesterday at 3:45 p.m., I caught Space 10 trespassing on my home site property on 31. I called the police. I waited all day, all afternoon, evening. Cops never showed up. Well, then I uh, called. Then I called three Hispanic, uh, one two, uh, two males, one female, stuck in my place, front and side window. I called the police. Never showed up. And then on top of that, on September 13th, Space 10 purposely tried to ram their vehicle into my mobile home. And I called the police. They showed up, but they refused to arrest the suspect. Then on Saturday night, I was walking back to my place. You know, just after dumping some uh, kitchen garbage in my uh, in the dumpster, this Hispanic comes, uh, female comes up to me, says, "I'm going to kick, you know, f the f a word. I'm not going to use it, pronounce it." And uh, I called police. The police just went over there, said, "Don't do it, told her, don't do it again." And I got a list. How many times they're trespassing and vandalizing my place? I got more. I got more stacks at home. 
And then on top of that, well, the manager there at the Mobile Park, uh, two weeks ago, I had a, a licensed contractor had to fix all the damage that this manager's family and her cousins and her friends have done to my mohome. She told me two, Sunday, uh, two Sundays ago, oh, you better fix the damage they did, uh, that her cousins and friends did to my mohome or she'll write me up. And he took a whole day to fix the damage. And the same su the suspects were vandalizing my mohome Friday night. They went over to Space One's mohome, vandalized hers. The police didn't even want to arrest them. That's not right. This is illegal. Uh, this is illegal discrimination, and this is also reverse discrimination. They also vandalized my ne other neighbor's mobile home, Space Three. This Thank you. I have no other public comment cards. Is there anyone that wishes to address the council? Seeing no one else step forward, public comment is hereby closed. I'm going to ask uh, for the pleasure of the council, since we'll be going back into closed session uh, at the end of the evening, what I would like to do to facilitate getting staff through the process and get the public uh, through here in a timely manner is to move council comments and city manager comments for tonight only to the back of the meeting. And is there anyone that needs to take a break at this time? If not, we can press on with the city business. Um, so if anyone needs to take a break, we will. Otherwise, let's move on and get done with the business. I'm going to move uh, council comment and city manager comment to the back of the meeting. We've had a report out of closed session. Do we need an additional report at this time, Mr. Danley? No, Mr. Mayor, we do not. I think we're set. Okay, Thank so you. with that, we'll move on to item 1A. This would be uh, approval of... No, we're going to get to 1A first. We're going to go right down and we'll put uh, 5A uh, after the consent calendar and before new business. Thank you, Council Member, though. Uh, okay, so we're going on to uh, item 1A and B. These are uh, approvals of minutes for September 9 and September 16. They'll be approved as submitted unless there are suggestions for changes. Uh, let the record show that I'm recusing myself from any uh, process on these as I was not in attendance at those meetings. Any uh, changes or amendments suggested. Mr. Healy. Yeah, thank you. If memory serves, I recused on one of the closed session items on September 16, so if staff could take a look at that and um, change that if appropriate. Uh, I believe that's correct. Okay, so that adjustment will be made. Uh, are there any other? Mr. Mayor. Mr. Uh, Kearney. Uh, are we going to look at maybe starting the meeting a little bit earlier? We're not there yet. We will look oh, at it. Right minutes, now we're sorry. on minutes. Yeah, that's okay, because we are going to look at starting earlier if we can. Thank you for the reminder. Sorry about that. That's all right. Any changes to September 9 or 16, items 1A or 1B, other than Mr. Healy's suggestion? So that's the suggestion. Otherwise, those minutes stand adopted as presented with the amendment to uh, the meeting of September 16th, identified as item 1B. We're on to approval of proposed agenda for the meeting of October 21st. And with that, um, anticipating that there would be a closed session meeting on October 21st, uh, tonight we started at 6 o'clock for closed session. Uh, I would think that if we could start the meeting at 6 o'clock for closed session and start the regular meeting immediately thereafter, it would be beneficial in the event we finish closed session early. And if we post the time of the meeting and we're late, that's not a big issue. But if we post the time of the meeting to start at 7 and we're ready to go, say, at 6.45 or 6.30, we can't start until 7 if we post 7, correct? 
Yes, because then people who wanted to participate might be unable just because of the times. So if the council can make it for closed session at 6 o'clock, what I would prefer is that we post 6 o'clock for closed session and sometime early thereafter for the start of the meeting. And we can always adjust that way. We can always move it back, but we can never move it up. Councilmember Miller and First City Manager John Brown. Uh, Mr. Mayor, I was just going to point out that you do have a public hearing on this uh, agenda, and it probably has been noticed. Uh, it's probably been noticed for 7 o'clock, I would imagine. So I just wanted to oh. ask the attorney if uh, it all still holds with the public. But we would not get to that item until 7 o'clock, so probably that noticing not. wouldn't be affected. We could make sure we don't by taking a recess if the planets and universe lined up and we cut through all the business which I can't imagine happening, but never. <laughs> it never has Mr. Yet. Mayor, we're, we're wasting more time trying to save time. Yeah, I know. Okay, so can we just set the start time for 6 o'clock for the closed session, and can we start the regular meeting with presentations and whatnot, let's just say 645 for October 21st, if we can just cut it. Do we want to do 15 minutes early, or do we want to try and do start the closed session at 5.30 and, and start the regular meeting? I would love to do that. How much can you bite off and take and do? Because I, I would go as early as we can go. I would love it. I, I'd rather do 5.30 than, than still be Perfect. I'm happy. at midnight. Is everybody good for 5.30? Yeah, that's fine. Can we notice the regular meeting then starting at, I don't know, 6.15 or something? Because if Mayor. we finish closed session, I want to be able to start the meeting. I want to sit there after closed session and not be able to start the meeting. Mr. Mayor? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I have concerns that we would be actually get be able to get through closed session in that amount of time. If you don't, there's no harm. But if you post late, then we're sitting here waiting. That, that's my point. So how early can we logically post the start of the meeting? Because we've got proclamations and everything else, all the ceremony. We're going to have no trouble running this thing to 7 o'clock before we get into the meet. Well, Mr. Mayor, uh, Sir. I appreciate exactly what you're saying here about trying to be efficient with the time. But if tonight is any indicator of what the next closed session looks like, I think you're going to be hard-pressed to get done. Uh, by 7 o'clock with a 5.30 start time. So perhaps the best thing to do here is to just go ahead and start at 5.30 with the closed session and post the regular meeting for 7. All right. Uh, I, I think we'll probably be able to fill that time. Do you okay. need a motion? I, I would move All right. that. All right. I'll second it. All Mr. in favor Mr. say it. Mr. Mayor, I had yeah. substantive issues uh, uh, in addition to that. Okay. Um, I had um, spoken in Mr. Brown's absence with Mr. Broden uh, regarding the uh, the Rainier draft EIR. I had submitted a rather substantive, substantive memo to staff um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was hoping to have feedback and council discussion on those matters um, before the draft EIR was circulated. Mr. Broden assured me that uh, the October 21 meeting was that opportunity. So if that's not on here, I just need assurance that um, the draft EIR will not be circulated until that opportunity occurs. 
I would be happy to provide you that assurance this evening just based on a conversation I had with Mr. Broden. Uh, I don't really know where staff is in readiness for the 21st. Uh, something I would offer the council for consideration is you do have a workshop date set for the 28th of October and at this point we don't have a topic selected so that might give us an opportunity to give the council a you know, single topic item on, on that Rainier project. If well, that, that would fill an evening, yeah. Probably, uh, but we would not be circulating the DEIR okay. until such time as then, you then I'm, I'm okay. have a level with this. And I appreciate that. Okay, sure. good. All right, so we're going to start closed session at 5.30. We're going to start the meeting at 7 o'clock, and, and we've got the agenda as presented here, and probably Rainier will come back on October 28th. And one last item, if I might, we would be putting something on for your consideration regarding the library JPA. Okay. Uh, I'll go ahead and ask to add that to the consent agenda right now, assuming that uh, that works. If not, you can pull it off and for discussion okay. at that time. Consent? Are you kidding? Well, you never know. <laughs> You're going to make me long for the days of the 3 o'clock meeting start. Okay, so here we go. Uh, we've got a motion for 5.30 for closed session. Regular uh, business at 7 o'clock. Barrett's motion, my second. All in favor say aye. 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 Okay, that passes unanimously. Was there any dissent? No. Okay. We're on to the consent calendar. I'm going to pull items 3A and item 3H. Uh, that leaves on the consent calendar items 3B, C, D, E, F, and G. Uh, and I'll ask the council if anyone wants to pull any of those items. Mr. Mayor? Yes, sir. Over here, 3B yes, and 3F, please. B and F? Correct. Okay. That leaves on the consent calendar items C, D, and E. And what I'll ask for is the consent calendar. I need to notify the public is a matter of uh, being moved in one motion. I, and I have no uh, public comment cards. Is there anyone that wishes to speak to any of the items on the consent calendar, particularly items 3C, D, and E as in Edward? Those are the items that remain at this moment on the consent calendar. Seen. Mr. Mayor, was G pulled? No, thank you very much. Item 3G, my eyes, good catch. Item C, D, E, and G remain on the consent calendar. And uh, is there anyone that wishes to speak to the council on consent calendar items? Seeing no one rise, public comment is hereby opened and subsequently closed. And I'll move items 3A. B, no. 3C? D, E, and G. And I'll second. Okay, we got a motion and a second on those four items. Uh, we'll vote by the lights on those four items. This is C, D, E, and F. G. G. I, I'm sorry. C, D, E, and G. Thank you. Okay, so those items carry unanimously. Mr. Michello, I think, is here, and I wanted him to speak to item 3A. We received correspondence from a member of the community uh, expressing uh, input on this item, and Mr. Michello is here to offer his uh, insights into what happens. This is uh, a resolution approving the city's claims and bills for the month of August. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Michelle. Mayor, if I may. Yes, sir. Over here, and I only pulled 3B for the same reason, because I think in the correspondence we received, we responded to uh, 3A and 3B, so my 
comments. Uh, my questions can be answered, I'm sure, with your comments. Okay, perfect. Mr. Michalow, if you'd address both, both items 3A and B, that would be wonderful. Yes, Mr. Mayor, members of the City Council, we received two questions specifically about 3A. Uh, the first question was related to weed abatement. Uh, there are no errors in the claims and bills report related to weed abatement. Uh, the charges related to the abatement of weeds are charged to the department or fund that the property benefits, so those are correct. There was also a question related to the Myers-Nave billing. This was also related to item 3A. Uh, the billings included in the report for Myers-Nave were actually for May and June of 2013. This was before the city attorney position was brought in-house. So that was prior to that process. Uh, the other questions related to um, 3B, the treasurer's report, there were several questions. Uh, there actually was a treasurer's report prepared for the previous quarter. It was for the quarter ended March 31st. It was presented to council on June 3rd, 2013 as consent calendar item number 3C. Uh, there was also a question about the cash balance. It does fluctuate quarter to quarter based on the timing of revenues received, property taxes, et cetera, and significant payments, payments back to the county, payments for debt service. So that balance does fluctuate uh, throughout the period. Uh, there was also a question about internal service funds. Uh, the revenues were actually increased significantly year over year. There were 4.7 million in fiscal year 12-13. They went up to 5.9 million uh, in fiscal year 13-14. Uh, this actually represents an increase of about 1.2 million or 25% year over year. And, and these funds can be used to help build reserves, rebuild reserves in those particular funds. Thank you, sir. Does that answer all of your questions, Mr. Harris? Yes, sir. Okay. Takes care of me. Does it take care of everybody on the council on those two items? Yes, I'll move the two items. Are we able to do the two items since I removed them off the consent calendar together, Mr. Danley? Yes. Okay. So we have a motion for items uh, 3A and B. Second. Second by Mr. Kearney. We'll vote by the lights. First, let me do this before we vote. Is there anyone, because I removed these off the consent calendar, that wants to address the council on these two items and comment on them? Public comment is opened. Public comment is closed. We'll vote by the lights. Items 3A and B are approved unanimously. Mr. Harris, item 3F. Uh, I just want to confirm with staff that uh, Stronger Building Services is receiving this. They're a Hayward company. Is that, I'm sure that's correct. And Henry's Roofing, which is a local company. Am I reading this correct? They lost the bid over $26. And can I give you $27 so the local company gets it. <laughs> and the only reason why, and that was the funny piece of it, and I'll be happy to do that if we can, um, but it just illuminates that issue of the, the local bidder that I think that we've all had um, questions about. But uh, I, I was just more bringing this to light, and I know that our hands are tied and currently based on, I guess, council rules. But you know, I'd love for the local guy. I'm sure everybody up here would love for, love for the local guy to get it, especially when it's only $26. Actually, it might be state law more than right, council okay. rules. So um, I will tell you that staff had very much similar sentiment, but we are bound by state law. Okay. So that's it. We're bound by state law, but it sounds like the city attorney wants to say something. Mr. Danley. That's correct, and so I'm not contradicting that at all. Um, the... Um, the state law competitive bidding requirements for public works type projects um, are subject to um, to 
inconsistent local legislation in the case of Petaluma because we're a charter city, but our charter is very restrictive in that respect. It sets a slightly higher bidding threshold, but leaves the rest of the state law pretty much intact for us so until that's addressed um, it would be uh, very difficult to have a local preference um, there also are e even for charter cities exercising that power there's some constitutional limitations in terms of local preferences there's you've got to be able to show uh, greater costs for doing business locally like higher leasing leasing costs space costs labor costs that kind of thing which those records can you know can be made where those facts exist so that's challenging I would add that um, with respect to other purchases that aren't restricted um, by state law um, there is some flexibility um, certainly um, uh, Purchases that are not subject to competitive bidding um, and and discretionary purchase and in Petaluma's case that's right now that's services, so there's there's discretion there um, and other purchasing of goods and supplies. Well, there's a bidding threshold. There's flexibility in our municipal code that implements that um, with respect to what constitutes the quote-unquote low bid and there are factors that can be taken into account like life cycle costs etc that create some flexibility not that that's subject to um, manipulation to favor a, a local bidder but um, there there's there's some more flexibility w with that than exists on the state law public works type projects so so just to um, elaborate on that a little bit thank you I appreciate that okay so I think every single council member inquired Absolutely, on that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's enough to break your heart. Yeah, yeah. It, it, Mr. Mayor, I think it's enough for us to maybe start looking at a couple charter amendments down the road. <laughs> you know, I mean, the state law is a tough one. Uh, we would have to tear this up put it out to bid all over again and then be at the vagrancies of whatever bids would come back and it would slow down the project which is needed before the rains come that protect the integrity of the building. So, you know, <laughs> you want people to bid, you want to get a good low bid for your community because every dollar is important. At the end of the day, you hope your community gets the bid. This time we didn't and by the smallest of margin and now we're, we're really need to move forward with it and uh, that's my take on it Mr. at Mayor? least yes sir move approval thank you got a second i'll second it uh we, we can vote by the lights on 3f carries unanimously with a comment by everybody up here if only we could we would but it Ouch. we can't all right so we're on to uh item 3h um I'm going to throw this to Mr. Healy. Uh, I think uh, this is an item that Mr. Healy asked to be placed on the agenda. It's a resolution. We have uh, correspondence actually from the community of San Bruno on the dais. I don't have any public speaker cards on it. Item 3H, is there anyone that wants to address the council on this item? Seeing no one rise, um, public comment on item 3H is hereby open to close. Mr. Healy. Um, thank you. So um, we did get the uh, letter late this afternoon from City of San Bruno. Um, and I'll double back to that in a second, but this is something I drafted. I drafted it on my own. Um, PG&E didn't ask for it, um, and um, they didn't draft it or participate in the drafting. Um, it was based on the Press Democrat editorial, which is also attached. Um, certainly a substantial fine is warranted for the disaster and the negligence that read, led to it. Uh, on the other hand, the proposed fine by PUC staff is over $2 billion, which would be 22 times higher than the next biggest fine ever in, um, in, 
levied in this country against a utility for uh, a disaster, and that one was actually the one is the highest fine was actually worse than the San Bruno one. So you know the San Bruno letter is very aggressively worded, and 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 certainly I understand that they have a political imperative in that community, and I sympathize with their issues. Um, but I think the PUC and and this city also needs to be concerned that we don't have um, uh, an impact on service levels or the service that the company is providing or is able to provide. And so it's just uh, stating that uh, in setting the fine that the P Public Utilities <coughs> Commission should should be careful not to cripple the company or, or limit its access to the financial market. So I give that to the Council for its consideration. Councilmember Barrett. Um, yeah, I won't be supporting this um, because I don't really think it's our job to be telling the California Public Utilities Commission how to set fines. Um, you know, I think they've been in the business doing this for quite a while. They have had a long working relationship with PG&E. And eight people being killed and the loss of all the homes in San Bruno because PG&E was not paying attention to what they were doing. I don't want to see that happen in Petaluma, no matter how good a partner they've been on different issues. I think they will continue being a good partner if it makes good business sense. But I think that it made good business sense for them not to monitor their, their gas uh, lines and that caused a huge disaster. So I will not be supporting this, especially in light of the fact that they have enough money to pay their CEO $10 million a year uh, and in, he's the one who replaced the guy who was there when the when the pipes blew up, who was making seven point three four million dollars a year. Um, I, I will leave this to the um, this the um, California Public Utilities Commission. I don't think we should be weighing in on this. Okay. So, is there any other discussion on this issue, Mayor? Mr. Healy. Yeah, I'll move approval. Is there a second? Second. Okay, we've got a motion and a second, and we'll vote by the lights if there's no further discussion. That's interesting. Okay, I've got to put on my glasses. It's hung up at 3 3. Um, yes, is Mr. Harris, Councilmember Healy, and Councilmember Miller. No is Councilmember Kearney, Councilmember Barrett, and myself. I did sign with Mr. Healy to place this on the agenda. I think it's a discussion worth happening. Uh, I actually fundamentally agree with the comments of uh, Councilmember Barrett. And uh, so with that, I don't know how much influence we would have with this over the Public Utility Commission in all actuality, but I appreciate Mr. Healy's time they put in. and. Uh, with that, I don't know whether this comes back when there's a body of seven or not. Uh, but anyway, we're done with it for tonight. Um, with that, we're on to new business. Um, and before we get to items 4A, B, C, and D, we agreed that we would uh, accelerate item number five, which is a public hearing on weed abatement. So if we could get that uh, coming forward at this time, that would be wonderful. We're going to have council members that are going to need to step down uh, first of all, this is a public hearing and action to adopt resolutions confirming the cost of abatement of weeds and approving the forwarding of unpaid bills to the county assessor's office for collections as assessments. And I'm provided by the clerk the order in which uh, council members need to 
recuse themselves. Um, first, uh, council members Healy and council members Barrett will need to set down um, when we get to that point on the first order of business. Mr. Fergus, if you want to tee this up. Well, I, I, if you've read it, you understand it, and you're good with it, um, I'm here to answer any questions and or provide you a summary of it. Let me, um, I, don't, I think everybody has read it and understands it. What I'm going to do is open it up for public comment because I need to. Is there any public comment on item 5A? Seeing no one from the public step forward to speak, public comment is hereby closed. Uh, with that, I will ask council members Healy and Barrett to step aside and the council will vote on um, parcel number 0061630403683 on Petaluma Boulevard North. Uh, I'll make the motion. Is there a second? Second. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion carries. If Mr. Healy would still stay away from the dais and if Councilmember Barrett would please rejoin us. Uh, I'll make a motion for parcel number 0061630521 on Water Street. That's the motion. Second. There's a second by Councilmember Miller. Uh, all in favor say aye. Aye. Any dissent? That's approved unanimously. If Mr. Healy could please return. That would be great. I'll make a motion on the remaining parcels. Is there a second? Second. A second by Councilmember Miller. Mr. Healy rejoining the dais and we're voting on all remaining parcels and we'll do that one by the lights with a full council here. That carries unanimously in each case with Councilmember or Vice Mayor Albertson absent and that concludes item 5A. Thank you Mr. Fergus. Thank you very much. You're welcome. On to new business, on to item 4A. What we have in front of us is a resolution approving the purchase of one 2014 VACCON combination jet vacuum sewer cleaner from the Municipal Maintenance Equipment Incorporated in the amount of $387,632.15 and declaring the existing sewer vacuum and flush vehicle surplus to the city's needs and directing the city manager to dispose of the vehicle in accordance with provisions of the Petaluma Municipal Code. Mr. St. John. I believe the uh, report has, has caught most of the, uh, the major elements. I, I think the key thing I'd like the, you and the public to know is, is these three pieces of equipment, we're only replacing one, but we have three of these, are the backbone of our utilities maintenance operations. We use them every day. Um, they have really revolutionized the whole ma maintenance activities since their inter introduction into our industry about 20 years ago or so and uh, and and like I said they're the real workhorse behind what we do now this particular one is the one that's um, focused on sewer line cleaning and sanitary sewer type applications um, so I did want to just point that out that this is a re real key piece of equipment and again, for those that, uh, who may be watching, this is something that was budgeted, it was anticipated, um, uh, because it is so mainstream to our operation. This is something that we, we definitely put in the budget um, in anticipation of, of replacing the equipment before it becomes such a liability 
that it costs us so much more to continue to operate it, maintain it, fix it, and also, uh, you know, the hazards that, that are caused when we have breakdowns. So uh, uh, perhaps you have some questions I could answer? It's my understanding the city school shop, uh, they do the maintenance on this, and they're recommending that this is a good time to say goodbye to this piece of equipment. Yes, sir. That, that, that's exactly right. Uh, we did want to, since, since that's the fellow that, that touches it and maintains it all the time, we wanted to get his comments right into the record. Okay. So uh, are there any other questions here from the council on this item? I'll move the item. Second. We got a motion and a second by Barrett. I need to open it up for public comment. Is there anyone for the public that wishes to address the council on item 4A? Seeing no one rise or step forward, uh, public comment is hereby closed. And uh, we have a motion by Barrett, second by Harris. Is there any further discussion? We'll vote by the lights. Motion carries unanimously with Vice Mayor Albertson absent. We're on to item 4B. This is a resolution approving the purchase of four Ford 2013 Ford 150 Super Cab pickup trucks from Livermore Ford. Uh, actually, even though it's coming from Livermore Ford, obviously a question would be why aren't we buying it local? And we're buying this through the state pool and it's 28% discounted price over the sticker price and there's nobody that could match this anywhere in the state because you're getting the economy of scale from the state and the public needs to understand that. I got a lot of calls from people saying why are we doing that? And, That's why. And, and we did actually go to the local uh, uh, dealer and ask them if they could match that price and of course they could not. And I, and I did want to point out our interim utility manager, Pat Duran, is awful is here to answer any particular questions you might have as well. I need to open it up to public comment on item 4B. Is there anyone from the public that wishes to address the council? Seeing no one rise, public comment is hereby closed. Is there any council discussion on this item? I'll move the item. We have a second? Second. Motion by Miller, second by Barrett. Any discussion? We'll vote by the lights. Motion carries unanimously. We're with uh, Vice Mayor Albertson absent. We're on to item 4C. This is a resolution of the Petaluma Community Development Successor Agency approving the long range property management plan pursuant to Health and Safety Code section 34191.5. Ms. Alverdi. Thank you. Uh, good evening, Honorable Mayor and City Council. Uh, this item is another in a series of administrative steps required to dissolve the former PCDC. Um, this relates to 10 parcels that were originally transferred um, back before dissolution, but after January 1st of 2011. Um, in order to comply with the requirements of the state, we are recommending this long-range management plan that will allow us to transfer a variety of remnant parcels and um, publicly used parcels to the city and leaving one to be um, sold at fair market price with the um, revenue of that sale being shared with the taxing entities. Any further questions? I'm here. Any questions? I'll open it up to public comment. Seeing no one step forward, public comment is hereby opened and subsequently closed. With that, I'll bring it back to the council. I'll move approval. Second. second. A motion by Healy, second by Harris, uh, any discussion? If not, we'll vote by the lights on item 4C. Motion carries unanimously with Vice Mayor Albertson absent. We're on to item 4D. 
as in David, this is a resolution approving modification of condition 11 of the City Council Resolution number 2009-076 is the Logan Place Unit Development Plan and Development Standards to eliminate the requirement for installation of a gate to the adjacent Bounty Farm. Uh, and with us is Tiffany Robb. Ms. Robb. Thank you. Good evening, City Council. Logan Place is located at 1200 Petluma Boulevard North and was approved by the Council in May of 2009. Construction of the 66-unit multifamily affordable housing community comprised of studios, one-bedroom, two-bedroom, and three-bedroom apartment units is nearly completed. The apartment community was developed by and will be managed by Burbank Housing. Based upon the recommendation of the Petluma Pedestrian and Bicycle Committee and with the agreement of Burbank Housing at the 2009 Council hearing that approved the project, the City Council added language to Condition 11 requiring a gate to the land leased by Bounty Farm. Later when construction plans were developed, a grade change of three feet along the shared property line between Logan Place and the Bounty Farm was discovered the no grade change had been anticipated at the council hearing. The city's chief building official confirmed that if a gate was installed, it would have to be ADA accessible and to satisfy that requirement and to address the three-foot grade change at the property line, extensive concrete ramping would be necessary, which would result in the loss of landscaping and impact to the, um, the water system and uh, significant loss um, or a significant amount of hardscaping increase there as well as an alteration to the approved site plan. The necessary work was estimated to cost an unbudgeted fifteen to twenty thousand. Also Bounty Farms is a production farm that invites the public in for specific programs and not a community farm where neighbors have a plot what manner of community farm Petluma Bounty Farm would be was not well known in 2009 at the time of the hearing. For these reasons, Burbank Housing requested the project be found to be in substantial conformance with the approved project without incorporating the gate called for in Condition 11. The two nonprofits have each expressed a desire and commitment to involve Logan Place residents with the neighboring Petluma Bounty Farm but do not feel that the gate is the appropriate means to do that at this time. After hearing from planning and housing staff and from representatives of Burbank Housing and from Bounty Farm, the Planning Commission unanimously recommended that the City Council approve the modification and eliminate the gate requirement. Bonnie Gabler, the Housing Administrator, and Sue Castellucci, Housing Specialist, are here because the City is a sponsor of the Affordable Housing Project and Pascal Sisic, the project applicant for Burbank Housing is here, as well as Elise Hempel representing Petluma Bounty Farms. Do you have any questions of staff or the applicant team? Okay. Thank you. Before, are there any questions this time? I'm gonna open it up to public comment. Is there anyone from the public who wishes to address the council on this item? Public comment is open. Public comment is subsequently closed. I'll bring it back to the council. Mr. Kearney. I'll make the motion to approve. Second. A motion by Kearney, a second by Miller. Is there any discussion? With that, we'll vote by the lights. Motion carries unanimously with uh, Vice Mayor Albertson absent, and we're on to 
on the next item of business which is actually council comment to be followed by city manager's comment and then we will be going back into closed session. Um, so with that I'll start council comment down here with Ms. Miller if you have any comments that you want to put out there to the community. Um, we have the, at the planning commission meeting, I can report on the planning commission meeting from the last meeting. Um, we did address the, the Logan Place issue that the council just, just voted on. Um, and then we also talked about uh, freeway facing signs and we directed staff to um, provide a little more, uh, a little more uh, direction, a little more um, specificity with respect to um, freeway oriented signs. Um, so they're going to bring that, they're going to bring that back to the Planning Commission. And we have not had a pedestrian bicycle advisory committee meeting since we uh, since we last met. So that's that's my report. Thank you, Councilmember Healy. You're fine. Thank you, Councilmember Barrett. Hi. Um, thank you. The tree advisory committee uh, voted for, and I think people have seen um, in the paper that the tree, the northernmost tree at Center Park, is going to be removed on the 9th of October. So. Um, That'll be a sad farewell, but it's essential for safety. Um, the Sonoma County uh, LAFCO, or yeah, Sonoma Local Agency Formation Commission uh, has approved a municipal service review contract for zone six of the fire district. And this is, this is a big new trend. And this is uh, LAFCO looking at special districts and their fiscal re, uh, ability to provide their services. And um, this is going to involve two fire districts and the city of Healdsburg's fire district. And they're gonna be looking together to see whether or not they can have any economies of scale by coming together. Um, so th this will be an interesting first study that is going to be done. Um, at the same meeting that we approved that, we also heard from the uh, Bodega Bay Fire Protection District and the Shell Vista Fire Protection District. One, both of them looking for ways to make themselves more fiscally responsible or, or capable. And, um, you know, Bodega Bay is thinking of dissolving. It's thinking of um, separating properties that are uh, government owned that they don't pay any tax so they don't want to provide the service for them um, it's it's a big deal and um, it's something that we're going to be really having to look at because it does impact our fire department and the neighborhood neighboring fire departments as these things go forward Shell Vista on the other hand wants to uh, annex the raceway because that's a that's a big taxpayer and that would help them and they actually even provide service to them but it's out of their district so these are these are this is a moving target, and this is something that's going to be even more important as we keep going, and we look at our own budget in house with the fire departments. This is you know this is countywide, this is statewide. Thank you, uh, Councilmember Kearney. Last Thursday we had our transit advisory committee, and uh, one of the things that was reported out was uh, August to August last year to this year, 23% increase in ridership. In the past four years, we've doubled our ridership. Uh, of the transit system. Uh, so uh, with great growth, 
does come some challenges, and so we're looking at, at, at some uh, ways that we can improve the system a little bit more in the coming months. But I am very proud of uh, of the transit staff. Joe Rye does a fabulous job with that program. Uh, I, I say it time and time again, no other transit agency in the Bay Area is seeing growth like this and keeping the price low for its ridership. So I'm proud of the staff and the work that they've done. Thank you. Mr. Harris. Thank you. Um, on the Technology Advisory Committee, uh, the committee is actually working on a potential promotion of a community-wide event um, with the Petaluma Downtown Association of the Chamber for a Tech Week like they have in Alberta, Canada, or a Hackathon like they have in Spokane, Washington. So there's going to be a couple things that could be coming through the, uh, what's that? In Vegas, yes. Um, so there'll be a couple things that the uh, technology um, committee is going to be working on with the PDA and the chamber to have um, alternate events that come into town. Also, this weekend is the fifth annual Petaluma International Film Festivals, and the organizers gave me a bunch of the posters to pass around. So I have about a hundred of them. If businesses want them, or other council members, and. Uh, you can contact me for those, or you can go to PetalmaFilmFestival.org for some information. Um, and then uh, also, congrats to the Casa Grande football team for going 5-0 and the first time in their history, and I know they have some big games coming up. Um, and then uh, lastly, if we could adjourn um, tonight's uh, meeting in memory of Don Petro, that would be appreciated. Okay. Uh, with that, um, I just want to congratulate Arnie Curran and all the folks at the Carousel Fund. What a great event they had there. Uh, it was just tremendous. There's so many other things going on in this community, but uh, that was one. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to catch up with everybody in this community eventually. Uh, but it's just so interesting to go around and just one thing after another after another, and you just uh, are amazed how many things happen in this town uh, with the nonprofits. But congratulations to the folks at the Carousel Fund. Uh, Mr. Baum. Thank you. If um, half an hour, tell us about your trip. <laughs> take longer than a half hour. Uh, I would like to thank all of you very much for the sabbatical leave that you granted me earlier this year and the opportunity to take six weeks off. Uh, that's huge. I've never had that much time off in my working lifetime. And I'm really not aware of any city managers that have been granted that much time off uh, and still had a job to return to when they came back. So. Uh, thank you for that. I also want to thank and acknowledge uh, Scott Broden and uh, Eric Danley here and the rest of the management staff for keeping things uh, rolling while I was gone and, and leaving me really with a lot more solutions than problems when I came back. So thanks to everybody for, for making that happen. Uh, I don't know if it's uh, kosher to adjourn in uh, the memory of more than one person. Sure. Uh, but if it is, I'd like to acknowledge the loss of... Uh, a colleague here this evening, I got news today that Nina Rigor, who m many of you will know as the former city manager of Cloverdale until earlier this year, had uh, has passed away uh, after, a, I think, a brief but aggressive illness. Uh, she left Cloverdale to uh, go to Camas, Washington, where she was, uh, I believe, the city manager or city administrator there until uh, yesterday afternoon. So if we could adjourn in her memory as well this evening, I would I would appreciate that. Okay, so with that, uh, we'll entertain a motion to adjourn to closed session. Before we adjourn, I need uh, Mr. Danley to provide legal notice as we go to closed session. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. I will. So the council will be um, 
reconvening in closed session. Um, uh, this time, I'm looking actually looking at the revised agenda. So, the, the we will be reconvening on the first listed item, which is the uh, Friends of Lafferty Park versus Pikachu LLC at all under Government Code Section 54956.9 A and C, and then regarding existing litigation under Subdivision A of that same section, uh, the case of Moynihan versus City of Petaluma, case SCV 259059. Um, the, uh, that the third bulleted item has, has already been addressed. Um, we'll be reconvening or convening in closed session um, f under a si significant exposure to litigation, Government Code Section 54956.9B. Um, that's regarding one potential case, and also regarding the item that was added um, with the amended agenda um, convening on the case of the City of Petaluma versus Adam Adam Santos. Um, that case is venued in Sacramento County Superior Court. Um, thank you. And if I could add, um, I really appreciate um, the um, city managers mentioning and the council's thinking of adjourning tonight's uh, memory uh, meeting in also in memory of Nina Rigore, I had the um, distinct pleasure of working with Nina for the entire time she was Cloverdale City Manager, and um, you know there there aren't so many folks with whom one has the opportunity to work where you really end up concluding there's there's such a fine human being you're you're a better person for having had that chance, and Nina was one of those people for me, um, and not just me. So I. I um, appreciate that recognition, and I, I know she's missed by very many people. Thank you. Thank you. So we will adjourn to closed session in memory of Nina Magara and Don Petro, and with that, uh, we're adjourned to closed session. <laughs>